Last Sunday, we started a new series entitled Sila. Uh, we're, we're talking about this, this word that you find, it's kind of obscure in scripture. Uh, we talked about that last Sunday. And it's this word that, that although in the original language really was a musical notation, it basically meant an, a musical interlude. You find it in, in the Psalms. Uh, we've been using it sort of as a descriptor for a, a broader concept that we see in Scripture. And of course, that broader concept that we're talking about is Sabbath, this idea of pausing, reflection, and resetting. Selah, we use that again, we know it's a musical term, but we're using it as a descriptor for Sabbath. Selah is when we pause to reflect and rehearse the goodness of God, allowing that revelation to reset us. That is what Sabbath was all about in Scripture. It is about this moment, this place, this space where we stop, where we pause, where we reflect on who God is, what he's done for us. We rehearse what God has done for us. And in that, in that reflecting and rehearsing, we are reset in this idea that God is our God and that he is a covenant keeping God and we are his covenant people. Selah is a way of illustrating Sabbath, and, and God created us for this rhythm of work and rest. Sabbath isn't simply about a day off. It's an indication of this rhythm of work and rest. God called his people, he called us, to join him in Sabbath. We read last week from Exodus chapter 31, Exodus 31 Verses 12 through 13 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. If you weren't with us last Sunday, I would invite you to go to our website and uh, download the podcast from last week's message. We talked um, last week about the fact that the very first thing that God made holy, that he set apart as holy, was Sabbath. It was this place or this space for stopping, for pausing, for reflecting and enjoying. And just as God made Sabbath holy, he invited his people to join him in celebrating or engaging Sabbath. And he said by engaging Sabbath, by remembering Sabbath, you yourself, you become holy. You're entering into this holiness. Now that word holy means to be set apart. God told Moses to instruct the people uh, to keep Sabbaths as a transgenerational sign. He said you're to... You're to Keep Sabbath yourself. You're to teach your children to keep Sabbath. And from one generation to the next generation to the next generation, this is going to be a sign or an indication that you are my covenant people. I'm a covenant God, and you are my covenant people. Everything about their identity as God's people really came into focus as they practiced Sabbath. Sabbath was never about a day. It is about a mindset and a lifestyle that sets God's people apart. That's why they had 
That's why God said keep the Sabbaths. That's why Sabbath wasn't just something that happened once a week. It included the feasts or the festivals that happened several times a year. It included the seventh year of Sabbath or the land going under Sabbath in the 49th year of Jubilee. So Sabbaths was more than just a day of the week. It was a mindset. It was this idea that we are God and that or that we are God's people and that that he is our father. We talked last week about how Jesus came and and the fact that he healed on the Sabbath and that his disciples ate grain that they picked from the field on the Sabbath drove the Pharisees crazy. It blew their minds. They became incensed or enraged at Jesus and his disciples because Jesus in their mind or from their perspective didn't keep the Sabbath. They used it as an occasion uh, to... They used it as an occasion to accuse Jesus and to come after him because they had taken what was meant for good and they had simply turned it into another form of slavery. That's so important to understand. Why had they done that? Why were they so mad because Jesus had broken the Sabbath laws, at least as they understood them? Why were, why were they so threatened by this healer? Why were they so threatened by this rabbi who taught these radical ideas and these radical concepts? What, what was it about Jesus and the message that he taught and the work that he did that upset these religious leaders so much? Well, it's simply because Sabbath, they knew, they knew, Sabbath was more than a day off. It was more than a holiday a few times a year. Sabbath, as God created it and intended it, changed everything. It reset everything. And if the people fully understood and fully practiced the heart of Sabbath, they themselves would not be in slavery. Now, I want, you to, I want you to get this. Sila, our Sabbath, is a socioeconomic system that orients man towards sharing in that which already is good. Rather than what good man cre can create through his own effort. Sabbath had become another part of their religion. It had become another thing that they do so that they can be righteous or so that they can achieve righteousness. Sabbath had just become another form of religious slavery. And when Jesus came and he didn't fall into that pattern, it upset the apple cart. It upset everything because Jesus wanted the people to understand this is never what God intended. Something so deep, something so meaningful had become so shallow. Sabbath was instituted, get this, Sabbath was instituted in Genesis 2 before the fall of man. Remember in Genesis 2, God had worked. He had worked for six days. He had created all of these things. And then he rested on the seventh day. This was in Genesis 2. Everybody say, everybody understand this with me. Sabbath was instituted before the fall. Sabbath was instituted before the law. Sabbath was the natural order that God, that God operated in. The natural order of create and enjoy. The natural order of create and then enjoy. 
God instituted it. God did it himself, and then he invited his people into it. Genesis chapter 2. Then Genesis chapter 3, of course, we know the fall of man happened and sin entered the world. When sin entered the world, it changed everything. The pause, the reflection, the reset was a part of the creation story because the enjoyment and acknowledgement of that which is good is the natural and intended order of things. Did you hear me? The pause, the reflection, the reset was a part of the creation story because the enjoyment and acknowledgement of that which is good is the natural and intended order of things. Before Genesis 3, the rhythm of responsibility and rest, work and enjoyment, tending the garden and then enjoying the garden, sharing in its splendor. It was all healthy and it was all blessed. It was enjoyable. It's what God had created us for. He himself had created the garden. He had created all of these things and then he created us to tend the garden. Notice that it was in Genesis 3 that work became cursed and production became problematic. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. The Bible says to the woman, this is after the fall. This is after Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden. To the woman he said, I will make your, your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. To Adam... Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. In the creation story, God created for six days and then he stepped back on the seventh day and he rested. He paused and he reflected and acknowledged all that was good. This was pre-fall. This was pre-sin. But in the fall and in the sin, notice what happened. What was intended to be automatic, what was intended to be organic and good, was turned into labor and was turned into a curse and was turned into pain. Pre-the fall... You could enjoy Sabbath. You could, you could enjoy the blessing of Sabbath because the, the blessing of work, if you will, wasn't a curse. Are you with me? Before the fall of man, there was this rhythm of work and rest and it was all blessed. But in the fall of man, work became cursed, right? Entering into the economy of man, the nature of man, the, and it wasn't just in the economy in that if you go and you read Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, it wasn't just in the economy of, of, of finance, it was also in the economy of relationship because when God spoke to Eve in Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, not only did he say to her, you're going to have pain and labor and childbearing, but also you're going to want for your husband, you're gonna, your, your relationship with him is going to be broken. Are you with me? See, in the fall, the economy, both financially in production and relationally, was broken. It was broken, and because it was broken, labor, labor became cursed. 
in the socioeconomy of the kingdom, production isn't a burden. Pre the fall, pre the fall, in the socioeconomy of the kingdom of God, labor isn't a burden to be escaped. Everyone say the word escaped. Many of us, for a good portion of our life, has always seen Sabbath as an escape. In fact, for many of us in this room, we treat our relationship with God as an escape. Many of us, if we were to be really honest, many of us got saved because we were trying to escape something. Many of us had a fiery preacher get up and yell at us a lot and scare us so bad with the story of hell that we decided, I don't want to go there. I don't want any part of that. And so many of us at a church service or a camp or something ran to the front or turned around in our seat with tears in our eyes or maybe even streaming down our face because we wanted to escape hell. And that was our motivation for many of us in responding to God. Now, for many of us in this room, of course, we've matured in our walk with the Lord and we understand that we don't come to the Lord unless the Holy Spirit first draw us, that it, it wasn't through our intent to escape hell that had anything to do with us being having the capacity to respond to the love of God. It was the fact that the Father drew us into relationship with Him. But because of that, many of us have imprinted within our theology, our belief about God, this whole idea that our relationship with God hinges upon the pressure to escape something many of us see Sabbath and have always thought of Sabbath as this place whereby we escape the work week right we see our day off of a time where we get to escape the burden of labor and living TGIF right None of you have seen that? I'm, I'm living for the weekend. I'm working for the weekend. I'm doing everything I can do to just get to the weekend, just get to that day off so I can get away from work because work is cursed. And so we dredge through the week just trying to get to the weekend and we can escape the burden of the labor of work. The problem is, is that we've allowed that mindset to affect our relationship with God and to affect our family and to affect the way that we treat time, the way that we treat money, the way that we treat everything. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that when you and I become believers, the Bible says that God reconciles everything. He sets everything right and he sets everything in order. He redeems everything. When God redeemed you, he didn't just redeem your Sundays. Thank you. I'm glad you got it. I hope everybody else will. When God redeemed you, when he bought you out of slavery, he didn't just buy you out for Sundays. He bought you out for seven days a week. 
When he brought you out of slavery, he brought you out of slavery in every part of your life. Pastor, why is this important? Why is it important? Why do you keep talking about this social economy of the kingdom? Why? How does this relate to Sabbath? Well, it's important because for many of us, we do not understand the practical disconnect from the promises we have as children of God through Jesus Christ in our everyday lives. Let me say it this way. For many of us, the stuff that we say we believe doesn't work. The stuff that's been preached at us, the stuff that we sing in our songs, the books that we read, we've been taught this stuff and we don't understand why is this not working in my life? Why is it not working in my job? Why is it not working in my marriage? Why is it not affecting my everyday life? We put it like this. We work like or as slaves all week. But we cannot understand why we're not resting like kings or children of the king on our Sabbath. Why is it not refreshing? Why is it not renewing? Why is my relationship with Jesus just another form of labor? See, Sabbath had become another form of labor for God's people. That's why the Pharisees were so upset by the way that Jesus was treating the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath had become just another set of, it was just another form of slavery. And so the people were slaves to Rome all week long. When they were in Egyptian bondage, they were slaves to Egypt. Oh, I could go through history. They were slaves all week long. And then they would come to Sabbath. And instead of Sabbath being something that was refreshing and renewing and regenerated them, Sabbath had just become another form of labor. So much so that sick people couldn't be healed and you could walk through a field hungry, but God forbid you take some grain and eat it. See, friend, we have to understand, if you work like a slave, you're going to rest like a slave. If you're a slave Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, you're still a slave on Sunday. You can go to church You can do all the stuff, you can pay your tithe, you can go through all the motions, you can sing the songs. But if you're a slave Monday through Saturday, you're still a slave on Sunday. And what Sabbath was all about was Sabbath was all about the people understanding that they were not slaves. They were never intended to cre- and created to be slaves. And in God's kingdom, no matter what anyone did to them, they would never be slaves. Selah has always been about enjoying the benefit of what was already good, not escaping the slavery of labor. Sabbath, Selah was created before the slavery of labor was instituted in Genesis chapter 3. 
God's people, his covenant people, were already called to a place of entering his rest. And remember, we read it last week. What did Jesus do? Jesus came and he said, come, enter my rest. It's not just for the future. It's not just for eternity. It's not just fire insurance so that one day we escape the, the fiery pits of hell. Listen, hell isn't just about the future. Hell is right now. And God wants you and I to escape the effect of hell now many of us we spend our weeks we spend our weeks living like slaves thinking like slaves see Sabbath is not an escape it's an acknowledgement it's an understanding of your identity it's an understanding of a God who loves you so much and created you in his image and invited you to enjoy with him relationship, his goodness and faithfulness. The Pharisees, like the Romans, were both complicit in the slavery of first century Jewish people. Now, I know scripture even indicates that there were some Pharisees who were godly and were bent toward God. But by and in large, history and scripture teaches us that the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Jesus' day, along with the Romans, were complicit in holding people in slavery. And you may say, Pastor, how did they hold people in slavery? The Romans held them in slavery. No, the Romans held them in legal slavery as a government. But the religious leaders held them in slavery in their souls, in their minds in their spirits one of them did it through government the other one did it through religion the Romans and the religious leaders both subjugated and controlled the people so they could benefit financially and socially the religious leaders and the Romans used different levers, but both of them were there to control the people. And so when Jesus came and he didn't participate in all of the Sabbath laws the way the religious leaders wanted him to, he was upsetting this form of slavery. He was calling the people out of slavery and inviting the people to enjoy the freedom that God had created them for. Jesus was upsetting the financial and social system that was in place to keep the people subjugated to slavery. If the people realize that they were not slaves in their rest on the Sabbath, then they may realize that they were not slaves in their work. God instructed Moses to make sure the people continued to practice Sabbath because as much as throughout history they may have been enslaved in their physical bodies, as long as they were not enslaved in their minds and in their souls, they could never truly be conquered. Remember how earlier in this message we said Selah is a socioeconomic system that orients man towards sharing in that which is already good rather than the good that man can create. Really, that's what this was all about. Last week when I introduced this conflict to you with Jesus and the Pharisees, I read from Mark chapter 2. But the same story, the same episode is found in Matthew chapter 12. I want you to follow with me. I'm going to show you something very, very powerful. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 1, where this episode is recorded that we read last week from Mark chapter 2, it begins by saying, at that time. So in other words, a continuation from chapter 11 is what is happening in chapter 12. It's a part of the same episode. 
So in a, as, as this continuation of chapter 11, I want to show you what I want to show you what Matthew chapter 11 says. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 says this, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn for me from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, in the same sense that he's addressing the Pharisees and the hypocrisy and the, and the slavery that the Pharisees had put on the people. In that same episode, Jesus had called to the people and he said, come to, the peop- come to me, all you that, are, lay- all you that are, who are heavy laden and all of you who are, that are under labor, all of you that are burdened, let me give you rest. Jesus had linked Work and rest in an inextricable way. Production and pleasure are inextricably linked. And of course, Jesus is talking about himself as our Messiah. And that really is what it is all about. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He is that promise from the Father that you and I have perfect relationship with God as he always intended it to be in the garden before the fall. But get this, Sila exists When the same God who we look to for our rest is also orienting our work. As we said last week, rest and work are the rhythm that God created for us. But Sabbath rest is is not just about a day off of work. That's not really Sabbath at all. A day off work is not Sila at all. It's no wonder why I, 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 I come off of the weekend, I come off of my Sabbath, and I'm just as worn out, I'm just as tired, I'm just as frustrated, I'm just as broken on Monday as I was on Friday. It's because if I'm a slave all during the week, then I'm still a slave while I'm resting. What God is calling us to is a place where you and I come to understand that regardless of what is happening with our body and our time and our money and our energy and effort, regardless of what people may do to us and circumstances that are beyond our control, we are not slaves. We were created to tend the garden. We were not created to toil in the soil. We were created to tend the garden. We were not created to toil in the soil. Toiling in the soil was the result of sin. And when Jesus comes into your life and when he comes into my life, he breaks the back of the yoke of slavery. And therefore, we are not slaves to the soil any longer. After the fall, the ground was cursed, and so work was cursed. Sabbath became about relief. It became about a day off after the fall, but that was never its intent. Sabbath was all about recognizing and rehearsing the goodness of God. For the follower of Jesus, Selah is an invitation to enjoy productivity out from under the yoke of slavery. At this point, you 
you may say, well, pastor, all of this sounds really well and good, but I still got to go to work tomorrow. The man is still holding me down. And if I'm not there to punch the clock in the morning, he's going he's gonna to dock my pay. Throughout human history, it's arguable, I would admit, but probably for someone who's really a student of history, it's probably not. It's not arguable, I think, that one of the most subjugated and oppressed people groups in the world throughout human history have been the Hebrew people. You study history, these people have been conquered, they've been enslaved over and over. All you have to do is read your Bible and you see this over and over and over and over and over again. But have you ever stopped to wonder, how is it that the Hebrew people seem to rise from the ashes over and over and over again. They'll have everything ripped from them. I mean, you just take, you just take modern, recent history. You just think of what happened in, in World War II, and you think of what happened with the, with the Jewish people, and you think about what happened with Nazi Germany. I mean, just recent history. It's not that long ago. There's, there's not been a group of people who've been subjugated and oppressed and have everything ripped away from them so many times. And yet over and over and over again, these people rise from the ashes. How does that happen? I'm going to tell you how it happens. It happens when even though you're a slave in Egypt and you're hewing stones to build monuments and pyramids... Even though you're in Babylonian slavery, even though over and over and over again you're, you're subjugated to Rome, even though over and over and over again you have everything stripped away from you, every week we come to Sabbath. And every week we say, you know what, I, I know this is my circumstance, but this isn't my reality. One generation to the other. One father to his son, to his son, and to his son says, you know what, son, I understand that right now we're broke. I understand right now everything's been taken from us, but this isn't true. This isn't reality. Let me tell you about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Let me tell you about the God who led us through the wilderness. Let me tell you about the, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Let me tell you about a God who's come through for us over and over and over again. And yes, the enemy may take everything away from us, but he can't keep us down because this God has made a covenant with us and his covenant is forever. Amen. It's about a father. It's about a mother. It's about one generation saying to another generation, let me show you the truth of what is good. Yeah, all of this bad exists in the world, but let me show you this truth of what is good. This, there's a reason this covenant people have rose again over and over again through human history. There's a reason why Christianity has been able to do what Christianity has done because we are the seed of Abraham. We are God's covenant people. You may say, Pastor, what does this have to do with me? Something has to shift inside of you, friend. You are not a slave. All of these bumper sticker passages of scripture that we love to quote, at some point, it's got to move past being a cliche 
And it's got to become a part of your identity. It's easy for you to say, you're not punching the clock. I've, I've punched some clocks. I'm not punching your clock right now. But the reason I'm here today, the reason I've had the courage and the capacity to do the things that I've done in my life is because I'm not a slave. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that there haven't been times in my life when I haven't worked like a slave. It doesn't mean that there haven't been times in my life when I haven't been oppressed and suppressed and repressed and all of those. But in all of those things, I know that I am a child of God. And that identity as a child of God has given me the courage and the capacity to just keep getting up. I start this business and it fails. Okay, I'll get up again. I do this in my life and it doesn't work out. Okay, I'll get up again. This boss does me wrong. This person lies about me. This bad, oh, it's okay. I'll get up again because I serve a covenant-keeping God. And if it doesn't come to pass in my lifetime, that's okay because this promise is transgenerational. See, this is what the Hebrew people get. It's transgenerational. So everything they do is about building blessing from one generation to another. And instead of doing that, we have embraced the economy of man, the economy of slavery, of survivalism. That's why we don't leave an inheritance anymore from one generation to another. We're just consumers. We use everything we can get because we've gotten ourselves into the economy of man instead of the economy of God. The Hebrew people throughout human history have known this is about what I pass on to the next generation. And so everything they do is about imprinting on the next. We think it's about reciting these prayers and these laws. We've misunderstood what it was all about. What it was all about was imprinting on the heart of the people, the promise of a God who says, I know you. You're created in my image. You are the head and not the tail. You're my covenant people. I created you to create. I created you in my image. I created you as people of promise. I created you to tend the garden. I created you to tend the garden. You keep rising from the ashes because you're my covenant people. Nothing anyone can do to you. This is why Jesus, and I'm going to close with this because I'm out of time. This is why Jesus, in Luke chapter 12, he's sending his disciples out. They're about, they're about to see incredible miracles, but at the same time, they're about to, they're about to experience Rejection like they have never known and persecution like they've never known. It's the balance. It's the balance. They're going to see signs and wonders and miracles and they're going to be rejected. All at the same time. And Jesus says, don't, listen, don't be afraid of those Pharisees. Don't be afraid of those people who can kill your body. This body, it's, it's just a shell. It's just for a period of time. Fear shouldn't exist towards what can happen in this life because this life is just a moment. The fear, fear of the God who, who cannot just kill your body but your soul. In other words, what he's saying to them is, listen, have perspective. Have perspective. You're going you're gonna to see blessing that people can't even imagine, but you're also going to receive rejection. 
that people can't imagine. And in the middle of that rejection, in the middle of that blessing, both comes to my children. You've got to keep perspective of who is God. Who is in control. So when you punch that clock Monday through Friday, and that boss is a jerk, when you try your hardest and it's not working out, when the system of this age is a conspiracy against you to keep you down, I want to get real political right now. When the whole world looks at you and says, we're going to keep you out. There is a God who makes covenant with his people. And he said, come, let's enjoy what I've done. Because what I've done is good. You are good. You are holy. You are my people. The word holy means set apart. Sabbath was set apart because it was an acknowledgement of that which is good. And God says, hey, keep Sabbath. Be my people. Enjoy that which is good. And in enjoying that, in enjoying that which is good, in enjoining me in that which is good, there's nothing that can separate you. There's nothing that can keep you from this body may pass away but I'm still God see here's what happens when you realize you're not a slave everything changes not just your Sunday but your Monday through Saturday changes you become the Joseph that everything you touch is blessed that the people who hate you and want to oppress you and throw you in prison can't help but elevate you because everything you touch is blessed. You become the people in Egyptian bondage where you can't, can't, I can't understand. We keep beating these people more. We keep oppressing them more. We keep, we keep trying to kill their kids and yet they just keep multiplying. You become that stubborn people group among the Romans who say, we hate these people. We don't know what's going on, but no matter what we do, no matter how much we tax them, they just keep getting wealthier and wealthier. What's going on with this? When you realize that you're not a slave, it affects your Monday through Saturday to such an extent that you carry yourself different. You think different. You act different. You innovate different. You live different. You are different. And even the enemy in his stubbornness has to acknowledge, hmm, these are God's people. The last two weeks of this series, next week and the following, I'm going to go ahead and tell you ahead of time. Next week we're going to talk about we're going to talk about money specifically. 
We're going to talk about we're going to talk about money practically next week. Cuz many of us, many of us are living in the system of the world that is broken. We're living in slavery financially. We're going to talk about we're talking about money in the economy of the kingdom of God and how Sabbath really was all about entering the economy of the kingdom. Yeah, we're going to talk we're going to talk about giving but we're also, I hinted at it earlier, we're going to talk about saving. We're going to talk about passing from one generation to another, the blessing. We're going to talk about all that next week. It's significant and it's important. Following week, last week in the series, we're going to talk about relationship. We're talking about how relationships work. Because it's a, it's a social, economic reality being in Sabbath. And many of us, we have to, we have to get aligned in how our relationships work with other people, especially in our homes. This has so much to do with our homes and our families. But I want to pray for you right now. Because for us to get to that place, what we talked about today has to be settled in our spirit. In your mind, you have to understand you are not a slave. Sabbath, what Jesus has called you to, is just is not just about escaping something. It's about entering all that he has for you. Father, I thank you for every one of my friends that are here today. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're teaching us. God, you are freeing us. We, I, I don't think, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, Lord, I don't think that we have ever have lived in a, 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 a season in which our concept of freedom and liberty is more confusing than right now. I know that there have been other times in human history and even in recent history, but in my lifetime, God, we have testimony in this nation of what it, what it means when people are, are told somehow or another you're less than you're subjugated or you're second. God, that's not what you've called us to. That's not what you designed us for. But Lord, there is this persevering place of being a follower of Yahweh. This place that's embedded in our minds, in our spirits, in our souls, in our hearts. What it means to be a child of God. To walk in freedom for insecurity, for fear, for anger, for dissatisfaction, to melt away. God, as we as your people understand our identity in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray for any maybe here today and maybe, maybe they have never received you as Lord and Savior. And right now they're living under the bondage of sin and guilt and shame. Jesus, I pray right now that by your spirit they would be drawn to the Father. That they would be able to respond to you in your grace and love right now and receive the newness of life that you have for them. I'm going to pray for you now. We're going to be dismissed. Lord, thank you for my friends. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're speaking to us. 
Thank you, Lord, for lowering the plow and digging deep in our lives. Lord, many of us don't understand why our rest on Sunday isn't really working, and it's because we're trying to apply the truth of your word to Sunday, but not realizing that it applies to every day of the week. We are free every day of the week, not just on Sunday. God, we are not slaves, no matter our circumstance, our situation. Lord, and I pray right now that as we go this week, that that word would just continue to build within us. That it would continue to build within us. God, there's something special you're doing here at North Place Church. You're making us a people of your covenant. And so, Lord, I pray as we live that out this week, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to reflect and demonstrate your glory. May everything we touch, everything we do be blessed of you. May it reflect you and demonstrate you. Bless this people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Have a great week in the Lord.